Up next is my interview with Kenrick, a two-part interview. It was such a lengthy interview because we talked about so much. Being Black abroad versus in America, his life after retiring from a 20-year military career, mental health, and the peace that comes from living on a beachfront in Honduras, his plans for worldwide travel, and many, many, many more topics. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast, a podcast where I talk to expats about living abroad. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing Kenrick. Kenrick, how are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, so let's jump right in. And I'm smiling because it's like, you know, I finally started recording and we had been having this great conversation before. And I was like, oh, no, I need to start recording. So, like, I'm already <laughs> smiling. <laughs> um, okay, so, so let's let's just jump right in. And OK, so where are you currently living? How long have you been living there? So I am currently in Honduras. I am in Utila. Honduras. Uh, I've been here for since March, um, and but I've been in Honduras since about early March, end of um, at the end of February, and the I've I've just I'm traveling through Central America, and I just when I got here, I just decided that this was the place that I needed to be at this particular time and space. And so I just stayed. And so I've been here. Okay. Okay. And then, and then why Honduras? Like, I mean, of all the places, like why there? Um, when I got here, um, to Honduras and to Utila, I just felt at peace. Like mm -hmm. when I stepped off the boat, everybody was talking about, um, Go to Utila, go to Honduras, go to Utila. Um, ever since I was in um, Guatemala, everybody uh -huh. was just at it. And it was just mentioned after conversation after conversation. And I wasn't even convinced about whether I should come or not. Um, actually, I made the decision the day before to just uh -huh. book a year. And as soon as I got here, I started to look for an apartment. and. Uh -huh. I've been living on the beach ever since. Mm -hmm. When you got there, you started looking for an apartment and then you've been living on the beach. So like, I, I mean, you know, like this might be, you know, kind of mundane, but like, how did you find your apartment? And, and what was it about the specific place that you chose that, that made you say, mm, yes, this is it. So I, um, what is it? When I first got here, I started just asking them now. Um, to everybody that I was meeting, I was like, ah, I think I'm interested in staying for a little while. Um, what are your thoughts? What are some apartments? Um, they directed me to a Facebook group. So this was one of those things that you could not even figure out 
Like you couldn't go on Google and try, try to figure out uh, what was going on. But as soon as I put in there about um, that, I want to stay here. I want to um, get an apartment for a couple of months and just kind of see how it goes. Um, everybody began to respond and mm-hmm. I, you know, just went around and checked it out. And I chose this particular place because it was reasonably priced for, um, for rent and to give everybody context, um, my mortgage when I left the United States, I was paying about 2,600 for mortgage. And wow. <laughs> so honestly, if you if you tra- if you use that money in Honduras, you're a king then. Really. I mean, you yeah. know, because the cost of living I'm sure is phenomenally lower. Yes. I I this apartment is four hundred and twenty five a month and I'm sitting on the beach. So Wow. Yeah, I can't complain about my life right now. If if that's the only thing good that ever happened. That was that was good enough right there. Just leaving that mortgage behind and coming yeah. down to something uh, a little bit more manageable. And and of course, I'm on the beach, so I can walk out to the water every day. Um, there's a reef right off the beach, so if I want to snorkel, I can go out and snorkel or just swim. Um, and not too many people are around on this particular side of the island. So it's it's really quiet. It's really peaceful. Um and yeah, I just I just fell in love with it. You know, and, and I'm just like so excited to hear about like living on the beach because I loved the beach when, you know, when I was a child in Panama in Central America, because that's where I'm originally from. I hadn't told you that before, <laughs> but I'm originally from Panama, Central America. So I'm from there. My parents are there from there. My grandparents are from there. And, you know, the beach was someplace where we went so often. Um, me and my cousins, oh my God, my aunts and uncles used to be so exhausted and they'd be like, can we go now after hours of us like at the beach? Oh my goodness. Like, but, but they, they still took us there, but after several hours they were like, can we go please? (laughs) Um, so I love the beach and growing up in Miami, I also loved the beach. Absolutely. So just tell me like, what's, what's it like when you wake up? What's it like when you go to sleep? Like what, what's it like living on the beach? And and to give credit to my mother, um, she loved the beach also. So, <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So growing up, um, we didn't travel internationally growing up, but mm-hmm. we always traveled to a beach. Mm-hmm. Every year we would go to some beach somewhere in the United States. And mm-hmm. to this day, my mom, like every year, she takes a vacation out there to the beach um, just to hang out. And we, um, so of course that extended with my love for being close to the water. Um, and being here on the beach is great. Like I'll wake up um, to see the sunrise and just kind of out there and you're hearing the waves just crashing against the ocean I mean against the um against the bank and 
And of course, in the sunsets, I love to do the same thing, just to sit out there mm-hmm. and watch the sunset. Um, I dive now. Um, I just started diving in October. And oh, nice. it, yeah, they have a lot of dive shops around here. So it's easy to just go out um, and find a place to dive or somebody to dive with you. Um, a lot of my neighbors, they dive also. So, you know, you just got a whole community of divers that, you know, just go out there and just hang out underwater, which is so peaceful. If anybody that is listening to this or if you want to go into it, I would recommend it. It is so peaceful there mm-hmm. underwater. Um, I was, of course, nervous in the beginning. Um, but I had a great instructor when I was there at Carousel, but I had a great instructor down there, um, that showed me the ropes and I really got comfortable with it. And I tell people all the time, I was like, yep, that's where I, I really learned hear God. Even though I, I, I know I hear God a lot sooner, but it was just so peaceful and just so still down there. That, um, I, you know, I can't, that's the only way that I can describe it. Um, that type of peace that is by the water. So, um, and then also, um, my girlfriend, my former girlfriend, uh, Anitra, she just loved the water also. So mm-hmm. that was our thing that we were going to always get back to the water wherever it was at. Mm-hmm. Had you been like an active swimmer before? Had you been interested in diving before? Um, how long did it take to like learn? So um, I was not an active swimmer before, mm-hmm. and I did not have any interest in diving. Um, mm-hmm. It it all started what with um, I had took my son to this travel show. They're in D.C. Mm-hmm. And we both tried out. the. Um, they had like a little swimming pool set up for diving. And, um, you know, we both went in there and it was fun. It was, you know, interesting. And in October, when I started traveling full time, I said to myself, why not just dive? Why mm-hmm. not try it? And that was the first time that I had went diving in the open water. And mm-hmm. I've loved it ever since. Um, it's just an amazing experience. I can't explain it. It's not, it's, it's not even comparable to anything that I've done before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's it like living in Utila? What's it like living in Honduras as a whole? Like, tell me all about food, the people the culture, the environment, what's, what's all that like? So I, I, for me, I love it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start with the food and then I'll mm-hmm. end with the, um, I love the food. It's, it's like, you can get really, really fresh food, um, at any particular time. And I love it because if you're coming from the United States where you got a lot of GMO stuff, um, and a lot of processed stuff, it's just different eating than when you're getting it fresh from the ocean, fresh from the ground, and mm-hmm. you just start eating that 
particular food. It tastes different. It 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 feels different to the body, and I've just learned to just kind of love it. Um, and then just learning about the food here. So one interesting thing that I've been doing with my travels is um, under the understanding that connection with Africa and mm-hmm. how when when we've traveled over during this um, time of slavery that we've really kept a lot of our traditions the same. It's just that we've tweaked it a little bit based off of the local environments and local uh, things, um, mm-hmm. local foods that are available. So if you look like at gumbos and other things like that, every uh, indigenous black people have those types of foods. They just made it where they're... Uh, um, uh, it's different because they're using ingredients that they were able to find locally to make mm-hmm. the dishes. So I found that like the food and uh, have been great in just learning about that connection with um, how we're still connected, even though we're separated in the diaspora uh, to our African roots. But then. Um, to transition to the people, um, the people are just amazing. Like I, I, I speak very little Spanish. I, I am learning Spanish, and I, I am just grateful and humbled by how everybody just takes you in and they work with you. Like mm-hmm. if you go to America and you don't speak English, you know that you may get a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. not trying to help and everything like that, but not so much as when I've been traveling, where people are using the translator. So I use the translator um, when I'm when when we get too deep in the conversation. Like I can get the conversation started. I can ask for like uh, small things, but once we get too deep in the conversation, then I'm pulling out that translator to try to you know, figure it out from there. And everybody mm-hmm. has been just so accommodating, so welcoming, so mm-hmm. um humble. And I'm you know, I'm just humbled by it. Um mm-hmm. just the generosity of everybody mm-hmm. that I've met so far. Food is the uh, amazing. So the traditional food here is just it is wonderful. It is just, I mean, just the taste, the flavors, the, um, the love that you can, that is put in the food. Now, if you're traveling here, it, just know that you're going to take, it's going to be a while before you get your meal. You know, you may sit there for a good 30 minutes to an hour before your meal actually comes, but know that it is prepared right then. It is fresh. It is the freshest food you've ever ate. Um, now, uh, I'm, I don't want to say that I'm becoming a vegetarian mm-hmm. because if I eat meat, I don't want to confuse people on the fact that I'm actually eating meat. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the majority of my meals are, um, vegetables. 
And that that's just more me and the journey that I'm on and the pathway that I'm choosing. But, um, you know, you get fresh vegetables and um, even the restaurants that are cooking fresh vegetables and fresh um, seafoods and things like that. Um, it's just, like I said before, you, you can't beat getting it straight from the ocean to your plate. Um, the taste on it is immaculate. Um, if you, if you go back to my IG, there's a, a picture of, of a guy holding up this big old fish. That was literally fresh fish. He, he caught it with his own hand. Now I've been deep sea, deep sea fishing before. Mm-hmm. And I had never been deep sea fishing like this, where he threw the live bait out there on just a little line, and he reeled that thing in with his own hand. And of course, I had to make sure that I honored that sacrifice with some great, amazing food that, like you, you can't really, um, you can't describe it. Like the taste from the ocean to your plate. It, with no intermediary, no uh, extra steps, and it just it just tastes good by itself. You don't have to do too much up with it. Or be good. Let's cut to a quick commercial break. Enjoying the podcast? Then support the podcast. Click here to donate in the show notes and keep the cool interviews with guests from around the world going. Check out the blog for handy information about living abroad. And buy the ebook, a great guidebook for moving abroad. Find the blog and ebook at the website, arewehomeyetpodcast.com. Again, that's arewehomeyetpodcast.com. You can also donate on the website by scrolling all the way to the bottom and finding the donate button. All right, back to the show now. Okay. At the end of the day, you know, just seasoning your food properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can tell that um, people are really putting time and energy to make their food taste good and to make it, uh, and not using a lot of salt. Like, it, uh, I don't even use a lot of salt in my cooking. And, but it can still taste good because there's a lot of herbs, a lot of spices, a lot of different things that you can add to it that adds flavor and context to the food that just make it so enjoyable. And I, I've always said that you shouldn't waste a meal. You know, I've said this long, long time. Like you shouldn't waste a meal if you're gonna eat something. Don't eat nothing nasty. You know, you should eat something that's good. <laughs> that <tastes> good. <laughs> something with flavor. And I, I, I use that same philosophy as I transition in my journey of eating. Um, but it, it, it is, it's good because one, you do, you feel the love that people are actually putting in for their food. 
And I think it, it, it goes back into our family culture where, you know, if you, if I cook for you, that means I love you. And yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You heard that from your mom, grandma, yes. everybody. Like, if, if I cook for you, that means I love you. Um, mm-hmm. because you're pouring so much, much of yourself, your heart, and everything like that, uh, into that food. And you can, you can tell, you can yeah. tell the, the, the difference. And, and that's why I'm like, uh, everybody's just been so welcoming. Because you can feel the genuine love and mm-hmm. compassion. And that, I think, is what has drawn me to this place, is that um, you can feel the genuine love and compassion. Now, the um, now I, I listen to a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people of the older generation that is here, and I like to listen to them because they talk about it a different time than now and they talk about um just the changes that's going on and that makes me even think more about what we consider progress and what we don't consider progress things like that Um, but overall i'd still say that i I love what i've learned here the people and from everybody that's here. Here, I've learned that I don't need as much as I thought I needed. Mm-hmm. So, um, I once was the same guy with a big excursion, Ford truck, you know, condo house, all that wonderful stuff riding around. And it's mm-hmm. like slowly but surely, you know, I've been kind of getting rid of a lot of stuff. Or when I when I sold my house, that was like the biggest stuff that I could get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I, I I've learned that you really don't need as much as you think you need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've learned honoring our connection with each other is more important than anything else that we can probably do in life. Um, okay. Like I shared with you before, I just got back from nine days in America and to really see the stark contrast with like people's happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's not that there's not sad people here. It's just that it's different sad. Like we're not worried about somebody coming to shoot us up in a grocery mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about like our kids getting shot up in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're not worried about like the police sitting up there taking you, dragging you out of your car, or, or busting in your home mm-hmm. some stuff that is not even about you. Like, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. All the the talk as we have talked about in so many households in America, because mm-hmm. I've had to talk with my two sons. Mm-hmm. And like you don't have to worry about that. So it gives you space to just be you mm-hmm. and just live. Mm-hmm. What's your experience of being Black in America versus being Black anywhere else that's not America? 
I was mm-hmm. in the military for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And when I left the military, I went to work for Amazon for about mm-hmm. two years before mm-hmm. I left Amazon and started down this journey. And what I, I, I can say is for us, it is that unwritten rule of mm-hmm. you need to be like this, you need to be like that to show that you're macho, you're doing your job and everything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, to even put it in more context, when we think about America and why the police force was created, it wasn't really created for justice. Um, the police force actually was invented right after slavery had started, I mean, ended. And so it was really to keep us in line. And if you look at the, um, the, the many studies, there, there have been many studies that have shown that, uh, African Americans, um, are getting punished a lot more harshly than uh, our white com- counterparts, even though we don't commit crimes at an exorbitant amount of rate. Uh, but to me, I'm like, we, the, the, the system is doing exactly what it was created to do. Um, and so we, we as Americans, we, we just have a choice after that. Um, and, but I, again, I was a part of the system. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what conflicts with my soul even now is mm-hmm. that I was once part of the system. Um, now that I'm not in the system, like you said, I can go and I can see what other countries are doing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see in other countries police killing their citizens at such an alarming rate. You mm-hmm. don't see in other countries you know, police escalating the situation. Like you said, that they are trying to talk to you and de-escalate the situation a lot better. And I think that that is just about the training, the culture, what is expected. And we just have to be honest. Like, that is just America. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we... It, if you just want to simplify it and just say that is just America, because if you, if you, if it was only one or two people, if it was only here and there, um, then okay. Yeah. You could say it's one offs, but we can hear something in the news every single day. The data we compare it to other countries is like super high. Like the, the last bit of data that came out that was talking about the mass shootings. And it was show it showed that Americans up to this point this year, thirty thousand have died over mass shootings in mm-hmm. comparison to I think the closest country is like fifty mm-hmm. died over mass shootings. Like we, we have to understand that this is an American problem. I think that First, once we recognize that it is an American problem, that like we are creating this in America, then it is 
that you know, like that's the first step of solving it. But right now we're just pointing fingers, blaming each other, blaming all the conditions, all the this and this person stressed out, which I don't really understand even on the police because if police are stressed out and they kill somebody, they can still get off. In the mm-hmm. army, if we stressed out and killed an innocent civilian, we could get court-martialed and spend the rest of our lives in prison. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't... And in the army, you're getting shot every, every day on the combat field, and police officers are not. And so I think that we just need to hold our police officers to a higher standard rather than mm-hmm. giving them a pass on their decisions. But of course, um, it's deep, it's more deeply rooted than just me saying that because mm-hmm. we have other influences like money from the police unions and <laughs> all this other stuff that goes in there. So that blocks legislation. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit more complicated than just saying, we need to do this one thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a series of things. Um, but to, to answer the latter part of your question is that, yeah, like, honestly, I feel safe here. Like, mm-hmm. everywhere that I've gone as a, as a black man, I felt safe. And, um, me and my boys, we went to China before and we, we, um, uh, experienced the same thing. They're not used to seeing a lot of black people there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was funny at the time, I would, uh, people would be coming up trying to sell people and stuff with us. And I, like, I told my sons at the time, I was just like, look, just go with it. Act like you're a celebrity. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. take, a, mm-hmm. take a selfie. Act like you're a celebrity and stuff like that. And just enjoy the moment. Because, you know, how many times people going to come up to you like a celebrity to ask for a selfie? You know, mm-hmm. it just, uh, so that, like, that's how we handle the situation. But at the same time, I, I, I'm not naive. Mm-hmm. I'm not naive to know that, uh, and know and understand that, like, we, when, whenever we're in a minority, mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. face some type of discrimination. And things like that, but I, I I agree with you. It's different. Like if I face discrimination and then we just kind of walk away from the situation with no issue or harm, you know, maybe some hurt feelings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. then I'm cool with it. Versus in America, if you walk away from a racist situation, you may not walk away with your life. Yeah, and yeah. Me, that's the biggest difference mm-hmm. in any that we can do or say when like when we're comparing living in America versus living outside of America, like you're not gonna walk away not with your life. Like you're mm-hmm. you're still gonna be alive to live the next day. Mm-hmm. And versus you're not even sure. You know, that that's why we have the talk our mm-hmm. kids. It's because we're not sure if they're going to walk away with their lives. If not, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't have a mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do I do sometimes think about, you know, what, what are our interactions abroad compared to, you know, in, in the countries where we're, 
originally from and you know and 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 how much difference of of a life of a fuller life and kind of like segueing into that is like quality of life so you know we you know we've talked about like safety some health some cost of living uh, maybe quality of time as well. So just tell me, like, you know, what do you feel like your quality of life is now? So let, let me describe it like this. The nine days that I was back in the United States, everybody was wondering why I was smiling so much. I was smiling so much because I knew that I was going to leave this place. <laughs> and, and it was just that I'm now just genuinely happy. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, I've been to war. Mm-hmm. I seen the destruction of war. I and I've seen I've seen um like the stressors of just everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, just living in America, living as a black man. Uh I'm writing a book and I I talk about my first time um living in Germany. Mm-hmm. And, and when I talk about it, I talk about it from the perspective that this was me living in Germany at 19 years old uh, was the first time that I felt like a human. Mm-hmm. And now, like, now after everything that I've seen since then, this is the first time that I'm just at peace. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. at peace with everything. It's, it's like, there's nothing that can describe it. Even the little things that may happen in the day does not compare to what I've experienced and what I know other people are experiencing at this moment. So, you know, it's just that peace that I can just live. Like, like simply that is really it, that I could just live and not have to worry, not have to stress, not have to be concerned over every little thing. Mm-hmm. I can just live in harmony with society, with the earth, with everything there is about life. And mm-hmm. it's just a different relationship um, that I, I hope that many others can understand and experience. and and live a life to that it doesn't have to be the way that we've been conditioned to live in America. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That, that you're at peace. Um, okay, so, so tell me, like, why why did you go back to America for for nine days? Like, what what was going on there? So I went back to America to uh, my son. He is 20 years old. He just graduated from his technical school there in the Air Force. And I I knew I had to be there. I overextended the time because the last time I went back for his graduation for um, the basic training, I was not able to make it because of the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was stuck at the airport trying to get there. Um, so I stayed a little bit longer before and a little bit longer after, um, just to spend my time with my son. And that was great within itself. I was excited. Um, we had just, just meaningful conversation. Um, and even though I call him my son, 
I think of myself more as his guide now because <laughs> definitely he's his own man. He's doing his own thing. And, you know, I'm just excited to see his growth and what mm-hmm. he's going to do when he grows up. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. So, you know, so then with, with family being in America and, you know, I'm very sure cause you know, I had this experience and we seem like we have quite a few things in similarity. So like when, when you initially said, Hey family, Hey friends, I'm moving and not just down the street, I'm leaving the country. What was the reaction? What was the conversation like? So. Um, I've been preparing my family for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when I left Amazon, I, I told my boss, and this was the, the words exactly. He was like, so what are you going to do? Um, I was like, ah, I'm going to travel for a little bit and figure it out. And that was in 2018. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I... I had already began to just make plans. I was like, you know, I've always wanted to just travel. Let me figure out how I can travel and and do my thing. And so I had already been preparing my family way before that. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I had always questioned in my mind, I was like, do people really think that I'm going to go? Because I've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. For such a long time, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I had made spreadsheets on um, where I wanted to visit, like the things I want to see, some of the stuff I wanted to do, and so I think that I was prepared as much as I could when I had left last year, and you know, I still have a spreadsheet. I don't use it as much, you know. On, I use it for things that, um, some of the bit stuff. But what I found is, is that, um, there's a lot of things that people don't talk about or that you only gonna know whenever you get there. And I just love those moments. And, mm-hmm. you know, it has been an amazing journey. I look forward to whatever the future has to, um, has for me because mm-hmm. this is, greater than I had even imagined. I should have did it earlier. I'm glad you enjoyed part one of my interview with Kenrick. Now, listen to part two. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.